Greetings, ladies and gents, and welcome to this daily science fiction extravaganza, commonly known as Tales, Tales from Outer from space. Out, space. Out, space. Taken from the subreddit HFY, all the relevant links will be down below. And, as always, I hope that you enjoy. And if you do, please consider supporting the channel. On to the science fiction. Story number one. An alien concept written by Reginto. When humanity truly began reaching out into the void between stars, we were excited for an endless variety of reasons, many of them, in fact, being questions. What will we find beyond the lighter soul? What new secrets of the universe will we unlock? What will the next defining moment be for mankind? And on and on with similar questions. However, for once we as a species were all focused on one set of questions in particular. All of us, from our youngest children to our wisest elders, had the same question, or some variant of it, somewhere in the back of our minds. Will we find someone else? We had all given up on that question until this point. SETI was still pouring over errant radio signals from space, and we were finding more and more planets with the potential for life every year. But we never found anything pointing to any other possibility than us being alone. Then we reached Mars and found dead bacteria in the soil. It was a momentous occasion, even though their DNA was far too eroded to sequence. Our scientific community was ecstatic. Proof! Proof that life could be developed elsewhere. Those dead bacteria provided the biologists with something to focus on while we colonized Mars. After Mars, we began reaching further out, and it was under the icy surface of Europa that we made our next discovery. Bacteria. They fed off geothermal energy and lived in a sludge at the bottom of Europa's ocean. Once again, the scientific community jumped at the chance to study the creatures, and even as simple as they were, with their help, we were able to learn a great bit about life from them. But now, we had FTL. To be specific, we had finally cracked a working Alcabera drive. With it, we now had the power to search the stars for the thing that was eluded us for so long. We now had a real chance at finding extraterrestrial intelligence. When the first FTL drive was built, the whole world tensed. We had long been wondering where our other intelligent life was in the galaxy and why we were so alone. Many of us believed that it was simply due to us being too primitive to be worth contacting. But now we had FTL. Well, I'm sure you've read enough fictional stories about humanity's first contact to know how much we think of FTL means to an intergalactic species. But reality is often disappointing. The first FTL jump happened in system, a straight shot from the moon all the way to Mars in less than a minute. But no aliens, no welcome party of warships, just a successful test of humanity's first Alcabira drive. Not that it wasn't a huge accomplishment, we'd shattered the limits of light speed after all. But I would be lying if I thought that we weren't a tad bit disappointed at still being alone. But we still quickly got over our disappointment as new avenues of colonization opened up to us. 
With our early FTL drives, we were quickly spread out to every corner of the solar system. Resort after resort quickly opened around Saturn and Jupiter, capitalizing on their beauty to cater to the rich and famous in their spare time. And the film industry flourished. After all, what better way was there to film a thing from Pluto than by filming it on Pluto itself? And a grand and highly illegal racetrack was built weaving its way through the asteroid belt, giving rise to a new and exciting pastime for the miners that lived there as they migrated from rock to rock. Once we had mastered our solar system, we set our sights upon a grand expanse of the galaxy beyond our little corner of space. Probe after probe was sent out everywhere, and once again, our people had the same question in the back of their minds. Who will we find amongst the stars? What will they be like? Once the first images came back from Alpha Centauri probe, we were astounded by their beauty. The sights were truly alien, but were wondrous all the same. But as more and more probes found their destinations, each returning exabytes of data and pictures, each picture and byte of data astounding and entrancing the public and the scientists alike, we began to lose heart. Even with hundreds of probes we built, we still had yet to find any life more complex than an amoeba. Then a probe we set out to a system that we hadn't even bothered to give a decent name to returned with pictures of black and blue world full of life. The star in that system was rather dim, most of its energy being ultraviolet. This led to the plant life on that planet to evolve deep back froadage to capture every bit of solar radiation that the meager blue star could provide. The only reason that there was liquid water at all was because they were so close to the star. Communities all across the solar systems rejoiced. Intelligent neighbors may still have eluded us, but we once again found signs pointing to hope. A new holiday was even declared for several unmanned and then manned missions to this planet, now named Nocturne due to the dark foliage blocking out all the light on the floors of the great jungles that covered the planet. We had planned and then executed. Despite its name, it was a relatively peaceful world. No major predators that could threaten us and about three-fourths of the gravity that Terra had. It was a relative paradise compared to the jungles on Terra, the local wildlife being curious and incredibly adorable with their large eyes, soft fur, and bioluminescent markings. Once one of the specimens made its way back to Sol, there was nearly a war started over what to name the things. They were the dominant land-based species on the planet and had a diet of small reptiles, insects, and fruit during the day while hiding from a species of avian predators which resembled glowing owls to a striking degree. Eventually, we settled on glowem runners as they were most active during times where fog rolled under the canopy and their bioluminescent markings blurred the edges allowing more safety to move around both day and night. Adorable wildlife that make perfect pets aside, colonization efforts had begun as soon as the last expedition was finished, and with it, humanity had its first extrasolar colony. We continued to explore and expand our territory, although at much less aggressive pace than we had before finding Nocturne. We had several other worlds that held life, although only a handful of those were able to be colonized immediately. 
We set up mining operations and void stations in just about every system that we were able to. It was a golden age, to be sure, and one that seemingly had no end as the resources we found kept growing and growing with each new outpost. After about a hundred years of expansion, we reached the end of what we could do with the Alcabira drives alone. Even with FTL, it would take a year to reach from one end of our territory to the other. So for a while, we stopped expanding. We focused on developing what we had and began research on further improvements to the Alcabira drive and other forms of FTL in earnest. And so, it was that we grew within what we had, colonizing, terraforming, mining, researching for another hundred years. A Dyson Swarm was built around one of the brightest stars, a Penrose Colony was built around a black hole, and some brilliant nutjob put an Alcabira drive on an exoplanet that he named Tortuga and declared himself the Pirate King. In the end, it was the last of those that truly advanced us forward. While trying to find a way to deal with catching Tortuga and its armada, we made a breakthrough. The Fracture Drive. It may have an impressive name, but in reality it was a wormhole generator. The wormholes it generated looked like massive glowing cracks in reality, where just the bonus as far as the scientists were concerned. An entire fleet could jump half of our space in an instant, so long as one of the ships could generate a fracture. Armed with the new technology, Tortuga and its raiding fleet were quickly intercepted and captured. While a nuisance, the so-called Pirate King did manage to make the system capable of moving an entire planet faster than the speed of light, so we gave him a Nobel Prize before throwing him into prison and dismantling Tortuga to study how it moved. Turns out that the Pirate King had managed to build a working zero-point energy reactor, and although he did have to completely hollow out Tortuga to make space for the thing to put out as much energy as a Styson sphere passively... With that dealt with, humanity now had the means to begin expansion and exploration once more, and the power source to back it up. And unlike before, the entire galaxy was in our grasp. We began building fracture stations, which were massive fracture drives powered by even more massive zero-point reactors. Our borders quickly exploded from a meager hundred light-years across to well over a thousand light-years. And once more, more focus of our people began to question... Where will we find the others? How will they look? How will they think? What concepts will they have that can't translate? At this time, we found answers to these questions. It was about a thousand light years in a galaxy towards the center that we found them. We finally found intelligent life with one of our probes. The radio signals that they were putting out were analyzed. Their language deciphered. Pictures of their technology were analyzed. And while we were ecstatic, we were not impressed. Called themselves the Thotari and were highly religious and xenophobic avian species. Their technology level was pre-FTL and they primarily used fusion and fission as power sources. There was a long debate as to whether or not we should contact them. But once we discovered that their government was pro-genocide when it came to an alien life, we decided against it. It's not as though they were a threat to us with their level of technology. But it was better to be on the safe side, so an observation post was set up and a quarantine was placed around the system. We continued our exploration and found several other primitive and similar levels of technology as the Thatari. Although 
thankfully, they were significantly less genocidal. With the discovery of the fifth species of sapiens with the same levels of technology, our scientists were beginning to believe that humanity had just been early in its development, or perhaps quicker at research and innovation. So, we continued to merely build observation posts and mark an area around the species' home world as under quarantine. It wasn't until a rather unfortunate incident that we began rethinking that theory. It was a routine fracture hop. We go through the fracture and into the system of half of its max range out of unexplored territory to begin exploration and the building of the next fracture station. But this time, we happen to open a fracture right at the edge of an inhabited system. When the exploration fleet and its escorts came through the fracture and began surveying the system, they noticed that the fifth planet was in turmoil. They frantically began to decipher the language of the insectoid death, only by the time they did, the destruction that had paranoid insects rained upon themselves was truly apocalyptic. Apparently, upon seeing the exploration fleet pour through the glowing crack in reality, they thought that the end was upon them, and they launched their nuclear arsenal and its entirety too, and I quote, "...deny the invaders the satisfaction of our destruction." We watched slack-jawed as the death annihilated every major population center and city in their maps before we could get within range to shoot down the missiles, the only bastion of their people being a massive orbital station that was frantically trying to deorbit itself before we could reach it. We hailed the station, saying that we came in peace, but they didn't believe us and continued to try and plunge themselves into the now-dead planet's atmosphere. We tried to reason with them over and over, but it was clear that we weren't getting through to them. It was then that the Admiral of the Exploration Fleet ordered that the station be dragged back into its proper orbit, and that we board and subdue the crew before they doom their species entirely. It was a tense exchange, but it helped that the death were more focused on killing themselves than attempting to fight us. In the end, we managed to save about 50,000 of the hundreds of thousands that station had originally housed. It was a relief, to say the least, when about a week later, they stopped trying to kill themselves. But it took a whole month of explaining to them that we weren't going to kill them or eat them alive from them to realize that they'd vaporized 99% of their population for no reason. And so, it was that humanity had its first first contact with a species so paranoid it nearly destroyed itself because our exploration fleet showed up in their system. A species so paranoid that they had developed nuclear weapons as a way to commit suicide rather than wage or end war. But regardless, we did now somewhat owe them a planet, and once they calmed down, they were relatively normal, so we decided to ask them about their people directly, as we transported them back to the soul to stay on Mars till we figured out what the hell we were going to do with them. What we found out shook our very understanding of our place in the universe to pieces. Their civilization was at least ten times older than ours. They had reached industrialization about three thousand years before us and had been in space for a thousand years before we so much as made orbit. When our scientists finally stopped freaking out about this information, we explained to them how young our species was in comparison to them, and they had a similar freak-out session that ended in a question after question from both sides. We were able to answer most of theirs, not that they really understood what a wormhole was, mind you. But our questions were not so fruitful. 
All of the scientists and politicians aboard their station had spaced themselves as soon as they reported seeing fractures in our fleet on the planet below. The only reason we had a few engineers was because they were asleep deep inside the station throughout the whole ordeal. What was worse was that they had purged all data from their databanks and backup server both server-side and station-side and planet-side, so we couldn't access their information network to try and get answers. We quickly contacted the observation posts for every species other than the Tathari and tribal Galash and told them what we found. They immediately infiltrated the information networks of each species that we were observing, and what they found alarmed them. They found that we were the youngest species, besides possibly the Galash, out of all the sapiens we discovered by not an insignificant margin. We quickly lifted the quarantine on most xenophilic species that we found, a long, naga-like, cold-blooded reptilian carnival species called the Hassan, despite the appearance they were are and phonetically xenophilic. We then sent them a message from the observation post in their system and stopped the cloaking, and they responded with joy and welcome. Welcome, brothers and sisters from beyond. We had begun to lose hope of meeting friends from the stars. We quickly put together a diplomatic team and opened up a fracture on the edge of their space, letting through a single ship with some trepidation. But once the fracture closed and their cities were still standing, we breathed a sigh of relief and landed near a set of global governments to the cheering, slithering masses of welcome us with open arms. All in all, as far as first contacts went, theirs was by far the smoothest even now. We found we had a lot in common despite our differences, and as basically radiating heat made us quite adorable to their cold-blooded souls, but when we explained how old our species was, we were met with the same wide-eyed shock that we'd seen from Darth, although with less panic. Thus began the first joint undertaking of our two species, figuring out what put us in the lead technologically. They outstripped us in most regards, to be fair. Their knowledge of chemistry put us to shame, and their AI made ours look like children's toys. Their understanding of biology was limited to that species that never left their home system. But that was hardly a consequence. It wasn't until we came to physics that we finally found the answer that we were seeking. The Hassan had only a rudimentary grasp of physics as we know it. The traditional physics match up, but their understanding of quantum mechanics was pitiful. We looked deeper into what could have caused this and found that they don't have a concept of wave-particle duality. We asked them about it and found that duality didn't translate at all. Their entire species had no concept of duality, and they had struggled to understand it even when we explained it to them. Because of this, when they first performed the dual slit experiment, they couldn't even begin to make sense of the results and simply disregarded the experiment completely. We told the other observation posts what we found, and then stood shocked when we heard back from them that not a single sapient species had the concept of duality other than humanity. Hell, Humanity seemed to be the only species that was able to understand duality on any level owing to our own nature of dualistic species. That was a hundred years ago. Now, humanity enjoys exploring the stars and living side by side with dozens of other species. Yet, even now, we're the only species that has been able to fully understand and appreciate the concept of duality. End of story. 
And that, my friends, concludes this dose of science fiction fun. I hope that you enjoyed. And if you did, please don't forget to support the author from the link down below. But if you want to support this channel, there are links as well down below for you to help with. But the easiest way would be to share this video. And if you are so inclined, subscribe as well. I will see you all in the next episode. And I hope that you all have a fantastic time until then. Cheers.